plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Partners, welcome to Star Style. Star Style, be the star you are. It is our informational playground coming to you live under the species of Be the Star You Are charity and broadcasting from the studios of Voice America on the Empowerment Channel. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and I am very excited for today's show because we have a lot of wonderful information for you. Uh, In segment two, we're going to be interviewing Christine Shields Corgan, who has just written a lovely, lovely book called Again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Liss. And cancer might be the scariest word besides coronavirus in the language. And yet this is a story of resilience and strength and humor, as well as how we can get through it if we should get a diagnosis. So you want to stay tuned for that. And are you a perfectionist? Do you oversee a team or are you just a solopreneur? When we strive to be perfect, it can be a barrier to our success and our happiness. And I'm going to help you bust those myths and offer some truth so that you can reach your full potential. And in a time when the entire world is in upheaval, anxiety is so high, suffering seems to be everywhere, and it's more important than ever to take one's mind, body, and spirit and give you some self-care. So we will be mindful, we'll manage stress, and we're going to give ourselves some self-care. So that will be our show today on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And the Miracle Moment is brought to you from Be the Star You Are charity. The website is bethestarur.org. It's February, and I wonder how you're doing on your resolutions and goals. This is from Walt Whitman. To me, every hour of the day and night is an unspeakably perfect miracle. And how true that has to be because, you know, I think that what we've learned throughout these, what, 11 months now that so many of us, especially here in California, have been under lockdown, sheltering in place, wearing masks, social distancing, not seeing our families, and, you know, just having to be careful because of the coronavirus. We have to look at every moment as a miracle and just be grateful But I want to talk to you about resetting your mindset to excellence as opposed to perfection, because so many people really believe in the idea of it has to be perfect or it's not going to happen at all. And that is probably one of the biggest mistakes that you can possibly make. I mean, whether you are managing just yourself You and your partner, your family, or a team of 100 people or more, keeping yourself on task and showing up as your best self every day 
so that you can be motivational and influential and be the person that you were born to be and whom people want to follow. But unfortunately, when it comes to evaluating how successful we are at these aspirational endeavors, we too often decide that perfection is the measurement and that we believe that to be a successful leader or a successful person or the successful partner or whatever it is, that we have to be perfect. And what I've discovered throughout my life is that You have to strive for excellence and you have to let go of perfect because there is such a destructive side of perfectionism and those tendencies help us to procrastinate and look down upon ourselves and you know, there just is no such thing as perfect. You know, on the bright side though, even if you are consumed by that desire for perfection, we can find a different road to go down and to help you become more aware of the myths of perfection, of being perfectionate and how you can reset your mind so that you open your heart and you just decide, okay, I'm getting my Best self is my best self, and that is going to be good enough. So one of the myths that's out there is that there's no room for mistakes anywhere. Well, that is not true. Now, of course, we don't want mistakes when we're launching a a rocket or, you know, doing something like that. But fortunately, by the time you get to launching that rocket, hopefully you've worked out all the bugs because mistakes are proof that you are growing. You know that I always have this uh, motto that I reiterate a lot and I repeat often, and it's failure is fertilizer. You take your mistakes, you put them on the compost pile, you grow a new garden. A lot of people say that, uh, well, maybe we should fail our way to the top. And I'm not saying you want to fail your way to the top, but I just want you to be easy on yourself when you make a mistake and know that everything in life is a lesson and a blessing. As long as you are learning from it and changing whatever it was that the mistake uh, that created. And then mistakes can actually build creativity because you are exploring a new growth type of mindset. Another myth is that if you are a leader, and that goes if you're the parent or you're the partner, that you really have to know everything. And you know what I have figured out? The more I know, the more I realize that I don't know. And it's very, it's kind of exciting because I've turned my life, I call my car a rolling university because I'm always listening to something that is going to, to educate me and inspire me and keep me up to date. So, We have a motto at Be The Star You Are, communicate, collaborate, innovate. So collaboration is really the key when it comes to creating a cohesive environment. You need to ask for advice. You need to delegate when you can. You know, relationships are definitely a two-way street. And you're going to hear more about this when we talk to uh, Christine with her book again Because it is hard to ask for help when you need it. But when you ask for assistance or advice, you really are strengthening the connection and the trust that you have with the other person or with your team. 
And that makes a huge difference in establishing relationships. Another myth is of for perfectionism is that we should always be looking ahead to hunt for what goes wrong, to hunt for the errors. What I say is live in the moment. We, you heard at the beginning um, the Walt Whitman quote, to me, every hour of the day and night is unspeakably perfect miracle. Well, let's just live in those men- moments because perfection resides in all those uncertainties of the future. And you're going to live in the what ifs instead of living in the now. The power of now, that's the power. If you feel a lack of appreciation, that is um, one of kind of the biggest warning signs that you're not living in the present tense. So have lots of gratitude and just live for this moment. Yes, make lists, plan your life. That's all great, but don't live in those what ifs. Another myth is that it's up to you to oversee everything. Again, in order to reset that mindset, we have to go back to what I was saying about communicate, collaborate, innovate, which is one of the mottos of be the star you are. You need to delegate, collaborate, trust the process, and trust other individuals. You're right. Sometimes they're not going to come through. And I have a lot of things that, I have just decided over the years it's better that I handle them because they were never handled properly or professionally by people I delegated to. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop delegating everything. I just have learned what I need to manage and what I can let go of. So if you can trust yourself to do your job, you need to be able to trust others to do their job, to show up and bring it to the table. And that includes, when I'm saying others, that's friends, family, co-workers, etc. The myth is, if you give up perfection, you're going to lose your edge. Well, the reality is, once you give up perfection, you have all this room, you open a window for growth and opportunity. Because having been this um, perfect person, it just leads to fear. Because... You're never going to be perfect, and you're always afraid you're not going to be perfect. And, you know, very often as actors, we have the um, the syndrome of we're afraid that, oh, what if they find out that, you know, that I'm really not that good? Well, everybody has that syndrome. So don't worry about the perfect. That perfection, as I said, creates procrastination around really important causes or deliverables Because you're trying to micromanage everything and you don't leave any room for any transformation or changes. So when you focus on potential versus perfection, curiosity versus constriction, and collaboration versus control, not only will more opportunities open up for you, but everyone around you is going to have more energy, enthusiasm, And be more excited about life and the daily demands. So seek some strength because perfectionism only allows you to look at faults and notice the gaps that are around you. And while you don't want to ignore areas that really need improvement, by focusing on everything that's going well and being grateful for what's going well and delegating strengths 
to people who have those strengths, you are going to create a culture that is energized, collaborative, and engaged. And having raised two kids and worked with literally thousands of clients and and many of those, I mean the majority of those being kids and teenagers, I always have people go for their strengths. I always tell when I get a volunteer, be the star you are, I don't delegate or tell them what volunteer position they're going to do. I let them choose because go to your strengths. Whatever you're good at, you're going to get better at. So unless you really want to work on a certain thing, that's fine. But if you don't want to work on something, go to your strengths. So um, this way you'll have meaningful transformations physically, mentally, spiritually. You will feel good about yourself. And then don't forget that it's so important that you eat right, that you exercise, take a walk, that you sleep, and that mostly that you unplug from time to time and take a break and give yourself just a um, a, a time out so that you can enjoy you. And we'll talk more about that actually when we talk about self-care in segment three. But when I come back from break, we're going to be speaking to author Christine Shields Corrigan with her book, Again, Surviving Cancer Twice, with love and lists. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Stay with me and turn up the volume because you're going to learn a lot in this next segment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, we're back, and I'm Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We're coming to you live on the Voice American Network, and this is the Empowerment Channel, bringing you a pioneer on the planet, 
someone who has survived cancer twice and has written really a wonderful book, a guidebook really, as well as a memoir called Again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Lists. Her name is Christine Shields Corrigan. She is a wife, mom, list maker, a former attorney, and she is with us now to share what she's been through and how she can help you, you know, battle the big C. Welcome, Christine, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you, Cynthia, so much for having me. Oh, you know, it's just my pleasure. I think that cancer, the word cancer, is probably one of the most frightening words that anyone can ever hear. And we don't know even how to accept it. I'm sure that when you heard it for the second time, it had to have just been a heartbreak. It was. It was. It was. When I... It, it's funny, the, the first, when I went for my annual mammogram in 2016, and my radiologist was like, you need to have a biopsy because I don't like how that cyst looks. A junkie I thought, well, cyst. okay, we'll be fine. And I went for the biopsy, and then two days later, I got the phone call from my surgeon surgeon and you know he said the words I never wanted to hear again right and it was I'm sorry you had cancer and that moment that the phone call occurred was the most ordinary moment I was making dinner my 10 year old son was doing his homework in the kitchen it was a perfectly ordinary normal night until that and when phone I heard call. those words, everything changed. Right. Well, I want to I want to give our listeners the backstory because this was the second time, thirty five years earlier, when you were just a teenager in high school, you were diagnosed diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Lymphoma. Sorry. Uh, and I mean, of course, you were not told that you could get cancer again, but it turns out that the radiation that had been done to your chest was um, possibly is the cause of why you got breast cancer later on. Could you give us the backstory and tell us about that? Because in those days, your parents really didn't explain to you what was going on either. Absolutely. Um, So I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma kind of quite by accident when I was a teenager in 1981. Um, And my family and I were visiting with relatives on Long Island on a hot August weekend. And my younger sister, um, who was like 11 years old at the time, and I was 14, ran up behind me and kind of gave me a you know, big hug around the neck, and me being 14 and her being 11, I was just swatting her away, like, how annoying is this? And she noticed that the side of my neck, the right side of my neck was really, really enlarged. And she's like, you know, there's something wrong with your neck. And she was, like, poking my neck, 
and me being 14 and her being, I was just like, could you not be so annoying? Right, right. But mm-hmm. she dragged me to my mom and my mom. Who and your mom nurse, was a nurse, right? Your mom yes. was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like by nurse, I mean like old school, like trained at St. Vincent's in the 60s, didn't mess with anybody kind of nurse. Right, right. She, she immediately takes action. Right. And she looked at me and she did the thing, you know, she palpated my neck and she's like, yeah, you have to have that looked at by a doctor. And within a day or two, you know, I had this, you know, within a day or two, I was in a hospital bed, you know, waiting to have a biopsy. And I didn't understand what any of that meant. I don't think when I was 14, um, but I do remember, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say you had to have these tattoos. Um, put, those were the dots for the radiation therapy, right? Now, your yes. parents called called your cancer uh, a blood disease. They didn't really call it cancer. So No, they never you, called it cancer. Right. So you really yep. didn't know that you had cancer because it wasn't ever expressed to you in that way no and and honestly in 1981 I don't think a lot of people ever said the word cancer it was one of those like whispered words mm-hmm. like well it still you know, is so- actually it's still a scary it's a very scary word although fortunately with technology and science today we are much further along and hopefully one day it can be eradicated but in the meantime, um, it's good that we have a book like yours, Again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Liss. So tell us about those, um, the radiation, because the, you have these marks on you. And I had never heard about that. I have never, never heard. I know other people have had radiation, but I hadn't known about these dots that they do. Okay, so fast forward so I get my diagnosis, and, and my parents and my doctor were, you know, they told me, they were like, you're going to have a, cu- a tough couple of months, and you're going to have this thing called radiation therapy. And, I mean, I didn't know what that was. And so I went with my parents to Memorial Hospital in New York, which is now Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. And Which is a renowned hospital. What, it's a very renowned right, hospital, renowned especially hospital, for cancer. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I had, I underwent what was called a simulation, which was kind of the trial run for radiation before they actually start your treatment. And as part of that, I received 12 pin dot tattoos, like across my chest and my back that allowed the radiation therapist to align the, the accelerator, the proton accelerator that administered the radiation to the, the site where the, the tumor was. And, yeah, and it was like a grid. It was, it was basically like a tattooed grid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have 12, 12 of these little dots, you know, so and, uh, we'll fast forward to um, 35 years. In those 35 years, you go to college, you become an attorney, you get married, you're happily married, you have three beautiful 
children, swimmers, you're a swim mom, you're a PTA. I mean, you're like doing, you're doing all that, all the stuff, right? You love, you really love your life until you get this quote unquote junkie cyst. And then the, the horror starts all over again. Now, you've always been a list maker. You write a lot of, and your book is, I like the way you've done your chapters, that, you know, you start with a, with a list. So, uh, from the beginning, did you have an inkling? When was it that you actually knew that the cancer that you had had as a child or as a teenager had something to do possibly with uh, your breast cancer today. And how did that affect your decision, you know, to have a double mastectomy? Um, so when I had the, you know, the radiologist walk in and say, I don't like how the cyst looks. It looks junky. You have to have a biopsy. So, of course, I immediately went to, you know, Google. And um, the uh, National Cancer Institute NCI.gov, which is, mm-hmm. you know, that's the- great. And, um, and I, I just, I just researched, you know, radiation, lymphoma, secondary cancers. And, you know, the reality is, is that if you've had Hodgkin's, um, you are at a 20 to 25, potentially even 30% higher risk for developing a secondary cancer and the most common secondary cancer for long-term Hodgkin survivors like myself is if you're a woman is breast mm-hmm. cancer. So when I saw the numbers and I saw the percentages, it wasn't really terribly shocking to me that, you know, the well, it seems like what was shocking from reading your book again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and List, what was shocking is that you had never been told you had cancer. You had been told you had a blood disease, and you had never been told that the radiation treatment you had could lead to another cancer. Although Correct. your oncologist as a kid told you that you should start getting mammograms at around 30. Right. But I didn't know. You know, he told me that when I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to ask why mm-hmm. at the time. And I just filed it away. And I, I followed his advice. And thank God I did because I was religious about it. And, um, it, and I, you know, I, I did for 15 years. I, I, I had my annual mammos. And, you know, when I've, Finally, the wrong person walked in the room. <laughs> was the radiologist and not the tech? Yes, I was. I, I can't say I was terribly, terribly shocked. I mean, I was upset about it, obviously, but I wasn't honestly shocked. But what? Well, one of the things I, I, I want to talk about, because, and you have, you talk about this in one of your chapters, and to me it's so important, and um, it's called the practical reality, advice giving from those you haven't, who haven't gone through it or aren't versed mm-hmm. in it, and to me this is so critical that people understand, because I really, I believe this so much, and Unless you've walked in someone's shoes, unless you've been there, done that, the whole thing. I mean, I, the advice that people give 
they want to be helpful, but so often they're just hurtful. And they say things that, you know, are, are just inappropriate. You know, like you gave of several examples of, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my aunt had breast cancer too. She died a few years ago. I mean, yeah, thanks. That's just what you want to hear, right? Exactly. And, and just random people would come up to you and ask why you were wearing a headscarf or how, you know, how do you feel about that, about it now? I mean, I have really strong feelings that it's just best to listen and ask if there's anything that you can do to be of assistance or help. But uh, even though it's hard to take help sometime. But if you're not a doctor or a health care professional with specialized training in oncology, it's like, I like what you said. Zip it. <laughs> right? Thank you. Zip, Thank zip you. it good. Um, you know, I... I truly believe that people come to you from a place of um, goodness. And I don't believe that anybody who ever approached me was acting out of ill will or malice. It's just that if you don't have the experience, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know what the best thing is to say. And, you know, I, the, the dead person comp, you know, cancer conversations, I know that people say these things because they're trying to relate, right? right. But mm-hmm. the last thing that somebody wants to hear who's like so, yeah, she died. diagnosis <laughs> is, hey, I can relate to you except that this person I love died. And that's right. not helpful. That's not helpful. That's well, you know, you have a lot of examples. And I, I expressed to you, um, in my family has been riddled with, uh, with cancer and, and tragedies. And, and I have to say, it's the reason I'm an author as well. So I do think that a lot of good comes from uh, experiencing these horrific um, times. Because if by writing a book or making a film or whatever, we can help someone else through it, that's a gift to the world, and that's what you're doing with your book, again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Lists. But some of the, with the wacky things that people say, like I started laughing so hard when the person said, you know, what about your diet? Have you tried turmeric tea? It has cancer-fighting properties. I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i had people say, did you get some crystals and wipe them over your head? You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you had some of those wackos, too. But, you know, for the listeners, I want to say, uh, offer something. Um, Christine Shields Corrigan is the author we're speaking with right now. And her new book is, again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Lists. And at the back of this amazing book, she has resources. And they're really important resources. Besides the books that got her through and that she loved, there's also the cancer organizations. She already said, um, the National Cancer Institute, which is a, a, you know, a wealth of information, but also American Cancer Society and breastcancer.org. So there's a lot of information back here in the back of your book. And I think that was really helpful. 
I wanted to jump ahead because um, there's so much to talk about when you're talking about what you went through. But you had a double mastectomy and then you had breast reconstruction. And one of the things that jumped out that I think people probably don't realize is that as beautiful as the breast construction can turn out, it may not be comfortable to sleep or it doesn't feel the same. Do you want to talk about your experience sure. with the breast Absolutely. reconstruction? Absolutely, I will talk about it. Um, so when I was making my decision about the type of surgery I wanted to have, the first question was, well, do you want to have a bilateral or a single mastectomy? And one you know, surgeon strongly argued in favor of just having a single mastectomy since there was no evidence that I had... Um, any cancer in my left breast. Mm -hmm. But I was so, having gone through this twice, Mm -hmm. I couldn't bear the thought of putting putting my family through it a third time. So I I chose to have the bilateral mastectomy. And I had implant reconstruction, and implants are very rigid um, forms that get inserted underneath the chest wall, the muscle, um, to expand the space where your breasts used to be um, to allow, uh, you know, a silicon or a a saline, actually, saline implant to be placed some months later after the, the muscle has been expanded enough to allow for that. And... I had a wonderful plastic surgeon, and my reconstruction is very natural looking, Um, but here's like something you don't know. Once you have breast implants, your chest is forever cold. (laughs) I didn't Literally, the skin above your implant is about a few degrees colder than the rest of your skin, and you have no, unless you're able to have some sort of, and there have been a lot of developments in this, you know, since I had my surgery in 2016, where surgeons are, are better able to preserve some of the nerve tissue or the nerve, the nerves that go to the breast. Um, you, you lose all sensation in your breast. So if your breasts are, you know, part of your sexuality, that that kind of goes away, and if it, you really it, love, it goes away. <laughs> if you really yeah, it love just plain goes stomach, away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little difficult. So mm-hmm. I went from being you know a stomach sleeper to being a side sleeper and a back sleeper because I can't really sleep on my stomach anymore because mm-hmm. you know they're they're not exactly you know yeah, like your like, own natural it, breast. It's, it's kind of it's a little bit um, like. Um, uh, croquet balls, <laughs> you know, yeah. right? It's just a little, yeah, a little I mean, maybe not that rigid, but it's it's definitely not like yes. you know your regular, well, you know, your normal human tissue. We only sure. have a couple, uh, a few minutes left, but I wanted to talk about your writing process because you had uh, you in your in your book again, surviving cancer twice with love endless. You wrote how you had always really wanted to write, and then you started by 
by writing a list for a nurse that asked you, uh, you know, if you could write a list of things for people. It ended up being pages and pages. And then you started taking some writing classes and you realized you really enjoyed it. I mean, I found going through any tragedy, writing was a catharsis to even if it wasn't published, just to get it out on paper. And, you know, it felt felt great. Did you find a catharsis in writing? And then obviously, you were able to put it all together and create this lovely book. Yes, I did. Absolutely. The process is cathartic. I mean, and, and going through the process, I had, you know, I was able to like, confront or, you know, I think of, I always think of my Hodgkin's memories as like, things I put in a box and taped up and put on a shelf and never wanted to deal with. And as I wrote the book, originally I thought it was just going to be about breast cancer. And as I started to write, I realized that that couldn't just be the story. I had to tell both stories. And so I had to like face those, you know, dark, scary things that I had put in that box. And, and doing that, you know, 35 years later as an adult, it wasn't easy. You know, there were certainly a lot of moments where, you know. Uh, but it opened I, your heart, didn't it? I it mean, did. didn't it? It And it, it, it actually puts to peace. I mean, because I'm sure all the emotions came up. You're angry at your parents, even though they were great parents, how they didn't really explain things to you or let you know everything and then you wanted you know you wanted to do for your family you wanted to really kind of be more inclusive but boy you messed it up too when you went to talk to your family and I I just think but you know I think that's human that's the human there's no perfect I just did a segment on perfection there's nothing perfect about any of this it's messy it's hard. Yes. It's well, challenging. Life is messy. You know, right. life is it's, messy. It's beautiful and it's messy and it's good. And it's okay. Um, right. It's okay to be messy, you know. And I think your book really shows a lot of resiliency and shows how you can bounce back. And and how what a, what a marvelous husband you have. And you had excellent, excellent doctors. And I'm so glad that you finally were able after that neighbor, you know, ran into you and kind of pushed you to offer help, that you were able to ask for help and accept help. Because when we accept help from others, we're letting them into our lives and we're actually building a relationship. So how are how is the family now and how are you doing? Well, I mean, I'm doing very well. I just had a six-month checkup and I'm good. You know, my family is well, you know, and I do have a wonderful husband who is incredibly supportive and was not only supportive through the whole cancer journey, but was so supportive through the whole book writing journey. My children, you know, I think are so brave and resilient and they learned a lot. Maybe not, I mean, my old two older, yeah, I think all three of them now, actually now, um, I'm sure they. I'm sure they all did, um, Christine. It's just when you're a child, and I mean, of course, you had teenagers and a college. Katie was in college, but you know, 
it's scary to think that your parent is sick. It's very scary for them. So they were on a big learning curve, too. They were, but I think, you know, they're all definitely more resilient for it, for, for having gone through the experience and probably empathetic, more empathetic mm-hmm. for other peers that they might encounter who might be going through something that's difficult. I think that um, you just hit the right word because as we said at the beginning of your segment, you know, unless you've walked in those shoes, it's very hard sometimes to understand what, what other people are going through, what they're struggling through. So just one last question. How, how is this um, affecting you? You said you're in two and a half feet of snow right now, but we're also in a pandemic. How, how are you doing? Were you able to get, are you on the higher list so that you're able to get the vaccine or are you just social distancing? How are you handling the pandemic? Well, yes, all of those things. Um, but I right. will say that I feel like my experience having gone through cancer and having come to terms with living with uncertainty, because that was really sort of the big life lesson for me, um, was that I learned that I really don't have the control that I thought I had control over yeah. my life. And that's okay. That's totally okay. And and that really helped me sort of navigate through the last year or so, almost year um, of this pandemic. So um, it's, it, you know, like silver lining, it's actually, you know, my experiences have been helpful. And I'm sorry, what I like to you know, say about the book and the process of writing the book and and my encounter with my neighbor is that, again, isn't really necessarily a book about cancer. It's a book about hope. It is. It's a book about strength. Strength. It's strength, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. I think it's about hope, resilience, strength, and making it through. The word surviving I think it's a survival story and how we can do it with grace and, uh, and, and making mistakes and coming out the other side. And it's all, it's all okay. You know, it's challenges actually make us better sometimes. Um, although we don't want to go through this, but, but, you know, you came out and again, it's a just, it's a wonderful book and I want to give Thank out you. your website the name of the book is, again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Lists. The author is Christine Shields Corrigan. Her website is christineshieldscorrigan.com. Christine is with a C, Shields, S-H-I-E-L-D-S, Corrigan, C-O-R-R-I-G-A-N. And a good Irish Catholic girl. And of course, you're going to be resilient and strong. <laughs> you have you have that stamina of the Irish. So I really did really enjoy the book. And as you said, it's very, very hopeful. And I think it can help so many people. And I just want to congratulate you on writing it and taking that time and um, and putting being so um, transparent through it all because. What you have written here will help many other people. 
when they have to go through any challenge, be it cancer or COVID or the loss of someone or something that they love. So congratulations, Christine. It's again is a, a really a very, very helpful and excellent book. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, uh, thank you again for being on the show. The website is christineshieldscorrigan.com. The book is, again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Lists. You don't have to go through it alone. You can pick up the book. Thank you, Christine. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back with our final segment. Don't go away. your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. World where personal time sometimes feels non-existence. In order to lead the pack, you have to first take care of you, the leader of your life. And even if you are an employee, you're always self-employed. So take pride in your work. Take a mini vacation to rejuvenate your spirit. Find a focus partner and share your business strengths and weaknesses. You can do this through Zoom calls. Create relationships of trust by doing what you say you will do. Follow up. Get back to people in a timely fashion. Write a personal mission statement and live it daily. Upgrade your integrity quotient and be proactive in staying healthy. Increase your skills by reading, writing, and communicating. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. Be the star you are. The star you The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, we're back, and if you are going through any kind of illness or you've been diagnosed with cancer, I highly recommend you pick up a copy of Christine Shield Corrigan's book again because it's uh, it's really filled with it's not only her own experiences, but just with little tips that will help you get through. And as I said, a very robust resource um, at the back, and that can really help. And I do agree, making lists really does help. So in that uh, idea of taking care of ourselves, I want to talk a little bit in just these few minutes that we have about being mindful, because it really has been a tough year, um, and it's more important than ever to spot any warnings for mental health that is suffering or your physical health that's suffering. So many people have not wanted to go to get their checkups or see a physician because of COVID-19. But if you are feeling like you're no longer functioning at your best or your mood is interfering with any overall judgment of life, it has to be time maybe to get a a Zoom appointment with your physician or a phone call or just make some changes. So I want to just give you a couple of things you can start doing right now. First, pay attention to your physical health fundamentals. Make sure that you're getting enough sleep that you are participating in regular physical activities, and that you're eating well. And when you're sleeping well, you're going to be more likely to feel energetic and less moody. And when you're exercising regularly, you're going to sleep more soundly and you'll feel calmer and more alert during the day. And of course, when you eat well, your blood sugar is going to stay stable and that'll help minimize fatigue and mood swings. And you can make a, your own personal toolkit of strategies for managing stress. I mean, there's no one-size-fits-all to any stress management. So it's a matter of figuring out what's best for you. For me, I like to do deep breathing. I like to do visual visualization, visualizing what I really want. And I do meditation every day. And that really helps. I start my day with 20 minutes of meditation outside in the garden, looking at nature, rain or shine. And it just, it it balances me. And I've noticed over the years since I've been doing this, a huge change in how I feel and how I act. So you can, when you are worrying, you need to put the brakes on that. Worrying doesn't get you anywhere. So remember that. And learn how to treat yourself with compassion and empathy. When you're treating yourself with self-compassion, you're treating yourself with at least as much kindness as you would treat a neighbor or a friend. You wouldn't be mean to somebody else, probably. I hope not. And so be, you know, quiet those tapes that are running in your brain and stop the self-criticism and the self-blame. It only makes to serve, uh, it serves your life, makes it harder. And that can actually lead to depression and anxiety. And then tap into support from other people. In Christine's book, she talks about how for so long she thought she could do it on her own. And then she realized that help was not only necessary, but it was freeing and it helped bring everybody together. So as humans, we are wired to tune to one another for support in times of struggles. So let friends and family members know 
that you are having a hard time. And if you're finding things are really tough, seek support from a professional because you deserve to feel happier and you deserve to feel better. And then don't forget to listen to your gut because there is a growing body of scientific evidence that suggests that having the right amount of good balance of beneficial gut bacteria will provoke, um, promote health and longevity and will lower your disease risk. So make sure that you are eating plenty of fiber, plant-based foods like vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, lentils, peas, nuts, seeds. Um, Those are all really good sources of fiber. That you are getting some phytochemicals. They're really like the skins and peels of fruits and vegetables like apples and broccoli and carrots. They contribute to the color, taste, and smell of plants, and they can stop pathogenic bacteria growth and stimulate good bacteria. And then probiotics are so good for us too. Cultured foods like yogurt, kefir, kimchi, sauerkraut, kombucha, all of those provide beneficial bacteria to support gut health. So improvements to your gut health can be achieved with all these little mindful changes to your diet and and, uh, lifestyle. And of course, for anything major, make sure you consult your medical professional. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you for being great listeners and uh, allowing me into your life every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you're tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, as we come to you live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. Remember, you can change your life for the better. You can make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, or any of the books that I've written, visit CynthiaBryan.com. If you'd like to make a donation to Be The Star You Are charity, or you want to get involved in some way, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. I want you to see beyond your physical being and know that you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but as I said in segment one, live in the moment. Today is the only time that you have, so today is the rest of your life. And read a book this week, and I suggest Read Again by Christine Shields Corrigan. Again, Surviving Cancer Twice with Love and Liss. Also, make sure to tune in to Express Yourself Teen Radio. It airs here on the Voice America Network Empowerment Channel on Sundays at 3 p.m. where our teens talk and the worlds listen. And we're bringing you authors and artists and uh, other creatives, actors who are out of work because of COVID or they don't have live events. So support us as we support them. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. And be here with me every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, as we bring you a lifestyle show that can change your life and make your dreams come true. 
Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.